the idea of being on a bearskin rug um, is not a good one <laughs> for me. <laughs> I don't want to do that either. <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. Wow. Should we should we continue to say our names? Should we make that like a oh, real yeah. part of the intro two years in? <laughs> I'm Mariah. And I'm Christina. And this is Movies That Raised Us. And this is, yeah. <laughs> We're very professional, clearly. I'm like, <sighs> I just finished biking back from the apple store mm-hmm. guys i bought my computer like when i started well my dad bought it when i started college and now it's a vintage mm. model yeah what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me mm-hmm. it's i i mean it's seven years yeah i think that's vintage i think <laughs> that my my computer because i had the same computer from when i was 16 until i was 25 Three twenty four. Okay, twenty four. Yeah, I got it for my twenty fourth birthday. It was like shortly after we started the pod, and like my yeah, computer could not handle editing um, anything or just like even opening a browser. So uh, it was time to finally get a new one after eight years. But yeah, wow, vintage. If it's in the twenty tens, that shit's so bananas. <laughs> yeah, luckily. This movie did come out before we were born, so that does make me feel young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is our last episode of Pod Girl Summer. I can't believe that we're here. It sucks. <laughs> I I want to like. I just feel like June or sorry, it's July. July mm-hmm. passed by so quickly. It did. It really did. Um, but summer isn't over. It's still hot You're in so August. Right. There's still much to do. <laughs> So. There's still so much time to sweat. <laughs> exactly. I'm sweating right now, in fact. Um, Same. <laughs> but on that note, shall we uh, Shall we divulge today's movie? Yes. Today, we are doing the star-studded 1995 classic, Now and Then. Yes. This movie has been so requested for so yeah. long. Whenever we've done, like, polls for you guys to vote for a movie, this is always on it, and it never quite makes it. There's always something else that usurps Mm -hmm. the title, but you're like, it's summer, the perfect time to do it. Um, It was my first watch. Me too. Yeah, it was both of our first watch, so there we go. I'm surprised I haven't seen it because I feel like this is the type of movie that would be, like, on E! on, like, a weekend or something. Mm. Yeah. But I had never caught it. Like, I've never seen it. And I think probably for me, at least, the name recognition, like, wasn't there. Yeah. But now that I've seen it, I'm like, I know so many actors in this movie. Oh, yeah. Incredibly stacked cast, especially, like, mm-hmm. the grown-ups. But the kids, too. It's it's pretty astounding. Well, the crazy thing, too, about the kids is, like, you know, Christina Ricci, mm-hmm. um <laughs> Me listening, Christina Ricci, full Gabby stop. Hoffman. Thora Birch, Gabby Hoffman, all ended up having like robust careers moving forward as well. So it was kind of like maybe the first time a lot of those girls had been seen, except I mean, Christina Ricci did Casper and I think wasn't that was before. Uh, Gabby Hoffman had been in stuff too, right? Wasn't she in okay. like Uncle Buck? Is that her? I think of her as Adam Driver's sister on Girls. <laughs> That was the first role that I had seen her in. It's true. She was um she was in Girls. Uh she was in 
I know she was in something as like a very young child. Hang on. Please pause for research. Yes, she was in Uncle Buck. She was in Field of Dreams. She was in Sleepless in Seattle. So she is like going off right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So all of these kids were famous and all of the adults, I'm sure they were famous at that point, but I feel like they're even more famous now. Oh, yeah. Like Rita Wilson and like Goldie Hawn and... Melanie Griffith. (laughs) Melanie Griffith. They look similar. But yeah, Melanie Griffith. Rosie O'Donnell and Demi Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell, I was like, whoa. I just never see her in movies. Like, I never really really watch a lot of movies with her in them. I did very recently. uh, I went to the Toronto Outdoor Picture Show and watched A League of Their Own. So she's very fresh in my mind. Um, Nice. Yeah, it was was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Should we throw some numbers at the list? Yeah, let's throw some numbers at you. And, you know, we're a mathematical (laughs) woman. There was a $12 million budget, and it made $37.5 million in the box office. So pretty good. That's not yeah. nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got like pretty mixed reviews, I think. I could see that. Yeah. But it's definitely become like a cult classic. It, from what I've read on Wikipedia, it's often a sleepover staple, um, which makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense for sure. But I also didn't realize until I was watching the credits and I saw a familiar name that this movie was written by Marlene King, uh, the creator, director, like showrunner, writer of Pretty Little Liars. Crazy. She actually wrote this movie when she was 10 and it was based on her like group of friends and specifically Sam, played by Gabby Hoffman, was based on her sister. I was shocked because I kept seeing like Marlene King in the opening credits and Mm -hmm. I was like, why does that look so familiar? And then when we talked about it, I was like, holy fuck. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It really makes sense. Although Pretty Little Liars takes it in a totally different turn. It's like tight group of friends. Small town, a mystery. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Of course, we get the original himbo. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Um, it was supposed to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio, Wild. but he dropped out at the last second. I'm honestly really happy with it being Brendan Fraser. Me too. Oh, they also pitched Matt Damon, but like they loved Brendan Fraser, so mm-hmm. they stuck with him. And I think that was the best choice. I agree. He has a very kind energy. Like he didn't give off creepy vibes. Hard to do as a man. <laughs> I kept looking at the cast list. I was like, oh, because I wanted to refer to him by his character's name in my notes. And I was like, Vietnam vet. Yep. He's not, he doesn't have a name. It's just Vietnam vet. No. Yeah. I had no idea he was in the movie because I really went into this like very blind. I knew that yeah. Christina Ricci was in it, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So when he came on screen, I did gasp because. I love Brendan Fraser. I personally am very excited to cover one of his movies on the pod. Maybe a George of the Jungle. Maybe The Who Mummy. Knows? Who knows? Blast in the Past. A very underrated movie of his. But that's for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but before we jump into the episode, we'll cover a couple of reviews. Yeah. So our first review is from aa.meme. Thank you so much for your wonderful review. 
We decided to give you the song You Make My Dreams Come True by Holland Oates. And we picked this song. We wanted to give you your real, like, rom-com montage moment because you said in your review that you love a good rom-com. So I see this as, like, a getting up, getting ready in the morning montage. You know, you, you jump out of bed. You're feeling super energized because you had a great night's sleep. You're playing this song, you're dancing around your kitchen as you're like putting your jam or your butter on your toast. You make like a big old glass of coffee and uh, the sun is streaming in through the windows. You're just like having a blast. You put on your outfit, you get ready to go out to work and oh my God, maybe meet the love of your life. Who knows? I love that. The next review is from Lemfods. You mentioned that you've been binging our episodes. Thank you so much. We would love to be real life besties. And we gave you, this is one of my favorite songs. This one's For the Girls by Martina McBride. So what I picture happening in this montage is actually like the song going through different years of your life. Maybe it's starting out as like you're a young kid and you kind of like learn a lesson like maybe in school you send a note to your crush and he says yes like I want to be your boyfriend but then you see him hanging out with another girl and you're like oh my gosh but then you get a little older and you kind of get more wise and you're like realizing that guys are dumb Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you can just do whatever you want and like we just go through you, go with you as you like go through school and you have your first job and you get your first apartment and maybe you find the love of your life or maybe you travel. Like, And I think that we see these different stages and just see how you grow and get smarter and smarter and learn these life lessons. And um, then we see you like reminiscing in a scrapbook. You're looking oh back gosh. over the years. Wow. I also want to say a shout out to your husband. Um, I'm glad that we were able to make him laugh with our Mean Girls episode. It's an honor. So Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) Yes. And thank you for also spending a shit ton of money to watch (laughs) movies on Amazon because I do the same thing. We're in this together. (laughs) Yeah. And our last review for today is from Caitlin Donnell. Thank you so much for your review. We did stalk you on Instagram a little bit. And yes, um, congratulations. Yes, congratulations on your nuptials. We have chosen the montage song Follow You Down by Gin Blossoms. Uh, this song is actually played in the like ending chase scene in How to Lose Guy in 10 Days, a classic. Uh, and uh, because you, you know, are recently betrothed, I think this is going to be a honeymoon montage. I think that you and your new spouse are taking a road trip. You like get in the car. You have an amazing playlist. You got snacks. You guys are singing along. Maybe you stop like at a, there's like a really beautiful lake that you come across and you stop to have a little bit, like have a little picnic, a little lunch. You know, you keep driving, you see the sunset in the distance, and you finally arrive at, you know, maybe your your bed and breakfast, your hotel, wherever it is that you're going. And you're just so excited to, like, build a life with this new person. That's so beautiful. 
Well, thank you so much for the reviews, everybody. We absolutely love getting to read them. They really mean so much to us. We're making our way through. We're in June now, so we're catching up. Yes, we're making our way downtown. Exactly. So if you would like a movie montage song, all you have to do is leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're like, I hate Apple Podcasts, (laughs) then you can also join our Patreon and Not only will you get a movie montage song, but you will get a bonus movie episode every month and be able to chat with us on Discord and be our close friend on Instagram. Yes, the patrons just voted for next month's movie and they have selected Easy A. We're super excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, this is I love how you're like the patrons, the patrons (laughs) of the odds. The patrons have spoken. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't. But yeah, we're super excited to cover that next month. So if you want to hear our Easy A episode, just head to our Patreon. You can subscribe. It's five US dollars a month. Yes. And with that being said, let's just bop into it. So the opening of the film, where are we? The summer of 1970, we see a bunch of kids playing Red Rover, which I have never played before, and I had to have my roommate explain the rules to me because (laughs) I've only ever seen it in movies. But we see our four main gals. They're trying to pick who they're going to call over. They lock hands and say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Bobby over. Is that what the game is? Yeah, I think so, because – They're calling Bobby over. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he runs towards them with all of his might, but he's defeated. He's just not strong enough. And we then get kind of our our title sequence intro, which reveals to us what each girl, you know, ended up doing as they grew up. So Roberta became a doctor. Teeny became a famous actress. Sam became an author. And Chrissy became a homemaker. And we also hear Chrissy calling Sam and leaving her a message, you know, talking about how she's expecting a child and reminds Sam of their promise to show up with the old gang. I love that the thing that brings them back together is Chrissy having a child. It's like, I need everyone there for me to give birth. Like, I think that's really sweet. And it's like starting the next generation. Oh, so true. So Sam drives to her hometown in Indiana. Sam is played by Demi Moore. Very, very cool gal. Mm -hmm. She tells us that Thomas Wolfe once said, you can't go home again. Well, that's great for old Tom, but he wasn't a chick who made a pact with her friends when she was 12 to get together whenever any one of them needed each other. So we've set our, our setting. We have our narrator. Things are rolling. Then we see Roberta, played by Rosie O'Donnell, I'm telling you, stacked, absolutely mm-hmm. star-studded. Yeah. She is loading her groceries into the car when she um, gets a page and goes to the payphone, which is like a relic. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to Chrissy getting all dolled up in her vanity, living her 50s housewife dream, and um, not the Aquanet. What is that? Oh, Aquanet hairspray. She like sprays the shit out of her hair. (laughs) Yeah. At first when I saw this, I thought she was going crazy. Like I thought she was having like an episode or something. I was like, oh no, this is just like a period piece. Yeah. 
So she goes downstairs where Roberta has let herself in with all the groceries and she picks up a, a copy of People magazine and Teeny is on the cover. Oh my God. And she asks Roberta what gets people so excited about her. And she's like, long legs, a tiny waist, and perky breasts. I did think that like because of the way they talked about Teeny in this moment that there was like a falling out. I thought so too. I think they're kind of just like – I want to say judgmental, mm-hmm. but everyone is, like, okay with it. Yeah. Like, they're kind of critical of each other, but they're all friends. Yeah, I guess it's, like, because they're so close, they're, like, family. It's, like, oh, we can, like, you know, talk shit about each other, but we love each other. It's mm-hmm. totally fine. Yeah. So that's when Sam arrives at Chrissy's house. You know, she gives Roberta a hug and Chrissy thanks her for coming when Teeny rolls up in a full-on white limo. Unbelievable. Yeah, the absolutely stunning Melanie Griffith uh, exits the vehicle in this cute little, like, white, like, skirt suit situation. She looks amazing. So, you know, she goes and hugs everybody. Chrissy is taking pictures like a mad woman, and they eventually, you know, go inside and teeny is like oh my god the house looks exactly like it did when your mother lived here so basically like stuck in the 60s (laughs) and sam and teeny are just kind of standing there awkwardly there's obviously like a bit of a a divide between these these pairs because yeah rosie and um chrissy stayed in the town obviously whereas sam rosie sorry rosie (laughs) o'donnell (laughs) yeah (laughs) because roberta and Chrissy stayed in the town, and um, Sam and Teeny left. Yeah. And we also kind of see throughout as we, like, flash back to their childhood that those pairs were always, like, much closer even then. Definitely. Um, which I think, you know, is kind of unavoidable in, like, a group, a group friendship. There's always going to be some people that click a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Chrissy then, you know, asks what they would like to drink, and they both want Jack Daniels. And Chrissy's like, oh, I don't keep any hard liquor in the house. <laughs> so She's so silly. I find her to be such a, like, kooky gal. Yeah. Well, the, the grown-up actresses, they never were on set the same time as the kids. So their, their scenes were all shot last. So they watched footage of the kids to kind of, like, base their performances around them. Wow. And I think Rita Wilson especially – did an amazing job. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So Roberta offers them, I think she offers them beer and goes to get them drinks and they have to like like awkwardly sit on the plastic covered uh, sofa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then they kind of cut to a barbecue in the backyard um, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you kept the tree house. Chrissy tells them her husband wanted to tear it down, but she couldn't part with it. And it belongs to all of them. Then she starts to get a bit emotional and she thanks Sam and Teeny for showing up. And Roberta tells Chrissy that she thinks she'll make a great mom. And if not, there's always therapy. (laughs) Teeny tells them that the thought of Chrissy having a baby makes her feel very old. And Sam is like, I just don't get the appeal of having a baby. Like you have to raise the kid and you screw it up and it resents you. You feel guilty. It has its own baby and the cycle continues. So they ask Sam what she's been up to. And she's like, oh, I'm writing another book. And Chrissy's like, 
why don't you write a romance novel? Like Danielle Steele. <laughs> and Christy tells Roberta that the longer Sam and Teeny are, are gone, um, the weirder they get. And Roberta's like, I would just like to see you more often. It's been like 10 years. And then Chrissy tells them that Roberta has chosen to be an alternative and live in sin with her boyfriend, but she's normal. Um, she hasn't had four failed marriages or an endless series of monogamous relationships or wear black. She's happy. And Teeny tells them that she's only been married three times because the first one was an annulment. And Chrissy's like, oh, you think you're so funny, but you need to grow up. And Sam swings higher and higher on the swing and says, maybe you're right. So two things. First of all, um, Sam's outfit is so in right now. She- oh, my gosh. My <laughs> suspenders and black mm-hmm. slacks. Yeah. She would, you know, kill it on TikTok, first of all. Second of all, the line where it's like, oh, Roberta has chosen an alternative life. When that was first said, I was like, oh, so she's gay. Like, that's the implication. Right. But then it's immediately followed with, she's been living in sin with her boyfriend. And I was like, that's so weird. Um, And then we learned. (laughs) Yeah. Then we learned that originally she, like, Roberta's character was gay. But when they showed it to test Mm -hmm. audiences, they freaked out at the thought of a lesbian gynecologist. And so they had to add that line in there. But like Of course. She's obviously gay. Like Yeah. Obviously. Like just from all of the context clues. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Sure, go off, I guess. But in any case, we flash back to the summer of nineteen seventy. We see the girls as kids playing in Chrissy's yard. So Sam says that Shelby, Indiana wasn't the most exciting place to grow up, but that summer they had three months of freedom ahead of them, but freedom wasn't enough. They wanted independence, so they decided to raise money for a treehouse. Later that night, we also see Sam lying in bed, and she is like reading a book with a flashlight while her parents are pretty loudly fighting in the room next door. And her sister comes and, like, crawls into bed with her. And Sam says that, you know, her parents had been fighting for as long as she could remember. But it didn't bother her because it was comfort and consistency. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, Roberta measures her boobs. And she's like, no matter what she does, they keep getting bigger. And she decides to wrap tape around her boobs to keep them down. I thought that was, like, very interesting because – Aside from, like, any type of, like, body dysmorphia rhetoric, which I feel like was quite sparse in 1995, like, it's also a big testament to just coming of age and, like, your changes in your body and, like, becoming more physically the gender that you're assigned. And Yeah, I think that it's definitely a thing of, like, because I was, like, super flat-chested, grow- like, when I was yeah. younger – um, so like I desperately wanted boobs, but I think for people who had the opposite where like they got boobs really young, it was like the worst thing in the world because you are treated differently. You're like immediately sexualized and right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always a grass is always greener situation. Mm-hmm. 
And then we find out that um, Roberta's mother actually passed away when she was four, and she grew up with her father and three brothers. And she never left the house without a picture of her mother. So we see her, like, getting ready to go. She puts the picture of her mom in her pocket, and she passes by, like, all of her brothers (laughs) just rolling around wrestling on the floor. Then we cut to Teeny, who is dressing up in her mom's dress. She's Mm. putting on some of her makeup, and she's like, thank you so much for this Academy Award. And pretends that she's receiving the Academy Award as like one of the youngest recipients ever. And in the narration, Sam tells us Teeny was an only child, shocker, Mm -hmm. and her parents were country clubbers, never around, typical upbringing for actors and pathological liars. I, I definitely did this. As a kid, like I would have imaginary interviews, God, like of course, all the time. It actually reminded me of one of our TikTok mutuals, uh, Emily Rebe, who has done many a wonderful like POV. I'm being interviewed for blank. Yeah, it's just fun to let your imagination run wild. So we then see our little slice of life from Chrissy. She is brushing her hair 100 times, which I also Mm -hmm. did as a kid for sure. (laughs) Feeling very seen by this movie, apparently. And um, her mom, played by the incredible Bonnie Hunt, comes in. Truly like the spitting image of an all-American like 60s housewife. She has like the Mm -hmm. big hair, the dress, everything. Uh, I really like the costumes. Mm Mm-hmm. And she sits down with Chrissy and she's like, well, Chrissy, I've been thinking about, you know, what you asked me about sex and, you know, just you saying it so casually is very scary for mommy. So, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But she asked me about like, and she like paused and she, and I think Chrissy's like sex and she's like, oh, just you saying it so casually is very scary. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, well, I believe you're too young to be informed, but since all your friends are trash mouths, I would rather you hear the facts from me. And by facts, she picks up a flower pot and says that all women have a garden, and a garden needs a big hose to water it, or a small hose, as long as it works. (laughs) And uses this, um, you know, analogy. And uh, Sam in the narration says that Chrissy would go on to spend a significant part of her adult life obsessed with gardening. That's funny. But I actually – I never had this – like, my parents never gave me the sex talk growing up. Me neither. We didn't talk about it. I think my mom had, like, tried to – but, like, when me me and my brother were, like, teenagers already and we were, like, we're fine. We don't need to do this. (laughs) We're – Okay, Heidi. We've been uh, informed. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, one time, I can't remember if I was in sixth or seventh grade, but I got my period mm. at school and it was my first like really big period. Like I was underprepared. Yeah. And um, I like had to go to the nurse and call to get like a new outfit, obviously. Yeah. And so I I did that. And then later on that day when I went home – I, my mom was like, okay, well, you can't have sex or else you'll get pregnant. Like that was like all she said. Like I don't even wow. – I don't even remember if it was like out of the blue or if it was partially in mm-hmm. – con- like it was just like beep, 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 yeah. done. But yeah, I mean I just learned it from a book because I had 
read a young adult novel, yeah. but it was like the you know main character was like so precocious, and she's like, like Dad, what is sex? And then they had like that conversation in the book. Oh wow! So you, you got the talk from a fictional dad. <laughs> Literally, it was the series. It's like Alice something, and her mom, um, Allison Stoner, actually played her in like a remake. Let me see if I can find oh. it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's called The Agony of Alice. Alice in Rapture, sort of. Reluctantly, Alice. All but Alice. So mm. it's all about like Alice who. Um, is just being raised by her father, like her mother passed away, and mm. she's you know coming of age in middle school. Wow! So, yeah, there you go. Very timely. Sorry, just simply <laughs> having flashbacks of <with> my <laughs> experience in middle school. Oh, what a what a horrible time! <laughs> I think middle school might be the most toxic period for girls. Like you oh, think absolutely. it's high school, no? But it all starts in worse. middle school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could at least find friends in high school. Yeah, middle school. I wonder what it was like for people who had like a good time in middle school. Me too. I wonder if Emery had a good time in middle school because she went to an all-girls school. Mm. So I feel like the dynamic was probably different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Sound off in our DMs. What was middle school like for you? (laughs) Let us know. So out on the street, um, we got introduced to the Wormers, and Sam says they also had a summer goal. And the Wormers are like this group of brothers in the neighborhood, and she says to make their lives miserable. So the Wormers ride up to the girls and start pelting them with jello-filled balloons, <laughs> and they ride away. Roberta falls. She's trying to run after them, and she's like, we owe you, Wormers, and we always pay out debts. Oh, yeah. Roberta's definitely... Well, I don't know if she's like the boldest because they're they're bold in different ways, but like she's definitely a little more like rowdy, the most ready to fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the girls then go to a diner where Teeny is reading them some options from a Cosmo quiz. Love a good Cosmo quiz <laughs> about uh, their you know ideal foreplay. So the options are a candlelit dinner and moonlight walk on the beach, making out on a bearskin rug in a remote log cabin, watching a sexy movie, or all of the above. And now I have to ask, Mo, what are you picking? I think A, Mm. because I, first of all, love eating. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I, I really love the beach, honestly. Like, it sounds a bit cliche, but being on the beach would, like, honestly be better than even just being on a date for me (laughs) no one needs to be there just as long as you're on the beach (laughs) oh i'm taking myself out for dinner and then going on a moon moonlight walk on the beach amazing night (laughs) because i i love again i love food i I love a candlelit dinner i hate the beach so you do hate the beach that nixes that the idea of being on a bearskin rug um is not a good one for me. <laughs> I don't want to do that either. <laughs> so I'm picking the sexy movie. That seems like a nice option. I love, you know, cuddling up, watching a movie. It doesn't even need to be sexy. Maybe anything. Yeah. Just, you know, having that that closeness. What movie would you pick? Hmm. Huh. I'm trying to think. Because I, I truthfully haven't, like, Netflix and chilled that much in my life. The only time that I did was it was a second date with this guy um, and he had found out that I 
he found out. I told him that I had never seen any Hitchcock movies before. <laughs> Who was this? Um, this was... Ew. But yeah, so he had found out that I had never seen any Hitchcock movies, so he came to my dorm and we were going to watch Psycho. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't on anything. Like, it wasn't streaming anywhere. So instead, he put on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> so I think... Maybe like 35 seconds in, I just started making out with him. So it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll have to think on it. I'll think on what my like – because you don't want something that's like too sexy because it's like too on the nose, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want something that would be weird to be on in the background of anything going on. This is pretty sexy, but I think I would choose sex, lies, and videotapes. Because I think that acting per sh- – it's Andy McDowell and um, – oh, my God. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he's like a renowned actor. Mm. And, yeah, it is it is um, sexy. But it's actually about having a really intense like emotional mm. connection and kind of what happens when you lack that emotional connection. Yeah. I'd recommend anyone out there. Mm-hmm. Back to – the task at hand, which is this film. Yeah. So Sam picks option B, the bearskin rug, and Roberta wants to pick none of the above, but she ends up settling for B. And Chrissy picks A, which is the candlelit dinner, walk on the beach, and Teeny picks D, all of the above. So as this quiz is going on, Chrissy is counting all the money that they've pooled together for, you know, their little tree house, and they're just $23 short. Mm-hmm. We also never see them, like, making this money or, like, raising the money. Yeah, I think they're just implying that – I thought they said, like, a line briefly at some point that, like, they took any job, like, around mm. the house to, like, make a little bit of money. Yeah, but, I guess we do yeah. see them, like, painting a garage door for, like, $10 at one point. That's the only yeah. thing we get. <laughs> But uh, Teeny also suggests that the first night that they get to the treehouse, that they should have a slumber party. So that's when Roberta notices Sam's mom outside, and they all turn to look at her, and they're like, oh, my God, her shorts are so short. Her boots are so tall. Sam is, like, very uncomfortable with the way that her mom is dressing and, like, the attention that she's attracting. So she promptly changes the subject Mm -hmm. and says that there's a full moon tonight, you know, the festival of spirits who come back to the earth and, like, walk among the living. And that's when Janine Garofalo, the waitress, just comes (laughs) out of nowhere. She comes with their black cows, which I I assumed that they were like like coke floats, but apparently a black cow is slightly different because it has like syrup and like oh. creamer and stuff in it. As she walks away, the girls kind of talk about how odd she is, and Teeny's like, "Yeah, she's a witch. I've seen her voodoo dolls. One of them looked like our principal, and it had a needle in his heart. And like the next day, he had a heart attack." So Teeny is <laughs> such a little liar. Holy She's a moly. shitster for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Sam is, you know, trying to get the group to refocus and says that they should have yeah. another seance tonight since this is the one night that the barrier between the living and the dead can be broken. And the girls all agree, Chrissy being the most reluctant. 
And then it's time for Teeny to read the results from the Cosmo quiz. So Roberta is a woman on the verge. Her sensuality has yet to be tapped and is ready to erupt like a volcano. Wow. She says, I know. (laughs) She says that Sam walks the fine line between romanticism and sex appeal. Chrissy needs to let go of her inhibitions before she dries up like a prune. And Teeny is a sexual magnet. It, like it's, it's like attracting men from all corners of the world. Pace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <sighs> we cut to Sam's house. Sam overhears her parents fighting and watches her dad actually move out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like get into his car with his suitcase and she looks at him through the window. And I want to say he takes like one last look up at her. And then he pulls out of the driveway. So mm. Sam grabs her bag and climbs out the window to meet her friends. She decides not to tell the girls, thinking that maybe he'll be back. And at the time, nobody in the neighborhood had gotten a divorce, and she didn't want to be different. And I I don't think we mentioned they live in this place called the Gaslight Edition. Yeah. And it's like a little planned community cul-de-sac thing. They all live there. It's very like docile and yeah, just very Americana. Yeah. So the ladies head over to the cemetery and have their little seance. They sit in a circle and hold hands. And we learned that none of their seances have worked So they decide this time to bring back someone who's buried in the cemetery. And they pick this, like, headstone that says, Dear Johnny. And they want to find out how he died because he was just a kid. So they start trying to contact him and ask for a sign, saying that they just want to know how he passed away. And Chrissy says he's here And she kind of starts, like, rocking back and forth. And she's like, he wants to tell us his story. But he's afraid. He's lonely and needs a friend. And then she's like, gotcha. And the girls are pissed. They took the sounds very seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially Sam, who's like, how dare? (laughs) How dare you? But Chrissy's like, you guys are so gullible, which I appreciate because I feel like they're always telling Chrissy how she needs to grow up. And Chrissy's like, you guys are here having a seance. Like, let me be. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, a tombstone breaks and there's like a bolt of lightning. And the girls are like, holy fuck. And so they start to run. Sam sees a shadow of a man on a tree. And then they all run off. And as the girls are... Walking out of the cemetery, they see an old man riding his bike. An old man who's referred to as Crazy Pete. What? They freak out upon seeing him and decide to run and cut through a field. And I'm like, he's just riding his bike. All the girls are freaked out. I actually don't know if it's that night or another night. I assume it's that night, right? The timeline kind of confused me. It's some evening. (laughs) The girls are kind of freaked out. Like, Chrissy is checking under her bed for, like spirits sam is tossing and turning and her window is open so the wind is like blowing papers around and her telescope swings around until it stops like very suddenly 
So she gets up and I actually loved this little sequence. She gets up and like pulls this string coming out of her window, which rings a bell Mm -hmm. outside Roberta's window across the street. So then Roberta flashes a flashlight into Teeny's room and Teeny walkie talkies Chrissy saying that they need to have a secret meeting. And this like blows my mind as somebody who has grown up in cities for her whole life, not only to like live so close to like all of your friends, but literally be across the street and have like a police system to contact them is like so wild to me. That was really cool. I mean, I couldn't have done that either, but like I did live pretty close to my friends. Mm -hmm. The closest experience that I have to this is like I got one of these walkie-talkie things Mm -hmm. when I was younger and it was like a long-range walkie-talkie. So if your friend was in like a mile or two Mm -hmm. radius, then you could use it. And I had one friend who also bought one and like – I, like, called her. It's, like, almost like having a cell phone. Mm. So that was cool. Yeah, the only time I've ever experienced, like, living this close to, your, to like, to friends is being in the dorms, like, freshman year. Uh, being in a yeah. dorm is so, like, not <laughs> – like, I would fucking not want to do it now. Yeah. But at the time, it was, like, oh, my God, knocking yeah. on your door. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is up? Oh, yeah, because I lived in um, Third North, which is one of the NYU dorms, and it has three towers. It's actually, like, the biggest dorm in North America, I think. It's, like, That's so crazy. (laughs) I don't know if it still is, but, like, it was at a time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I lived in the North Tower, and then, like, Nora and Christina lived in the South Tower, and so did Jane. Oh, no, Christina lived in the East Tower, Nora and Jane lived in – and Monica lived in the South Tower, so – just be bopping around to all the different towers. Didn't Emery live in Third North too? Yes, but Emery did also live in Third North. Yeah, because yeah. I, I only went to her room once because um, she lived in the mm-hmm. loft room. Yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, my dorm, although I had friends, but they my, – like my closest friends did not live in the dorm. Yeah. But there was – Three dining halls in mm-hmm. my dorm. Yeah. So I could always like easily get like breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like really having flashbacks. Um, so. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> back to the podcast. The girls decide to go back to the cemetery. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how are you? How do you have the energy to do this? Mm-hmm. But they go back and Sam tells them she thinks the person she saw in the cemetery came into her room, dear Johnny, because there was a, like the reason that she ended up calling everyone too was mm-hmm. because she heard the wind and like yeah. her telescope was like spinning around and then it stopped abruptly. Mm-hmm. So in this um, cemetery, Sam actually falls on dear Johnny's tombstone which is cracked in pieces. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we did it. We brought him back to life. Like, I can't believe it was us. Um, we're magic, practical magic over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did it. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, the girls try to get information on Dear Johnny, but everything before 1948 in the library was lost in a fire. Ugh. I hate fires. This is before fireproofing, I guess. And, you know, computers. (laughs) 
But the Greenfield Library. (laughs) The girls are like, can't you check Wikipedia? (laughs) What's that? But luckily for them, the Greenfield Library carries copies of all the county newspapers. And Chrissy's like, well, we're not riding our bikes all the way to Greenfield. And they're like, guess again, bitch. We're doing it. (laughs) So... They ride their bikes. And that's where you're wrong. (laughs) Surprise. So they ride their bikes and they actually end up stopping at like this little grocery store for some sodas. They play truth or dare, which they actually do frequently throughout the movie, but all of them only ever pick truth. Nobody ever picks dare. Mm -hmm. So Teeny asks Roberta how big her boobs have gotten now. And Roberta's like, oh, my God, drop dead. And Teeny's like, well, can we see them? <laughs> and Teeny is like, yeah, I don't have any boobs yet. But look how big they are today because she has filled up balloons with pudding and stuffed them into her bra. And she says she actually got the idea from the Wormies because, like, Jello was too jiggly and, like, it's all about the texture. Oh, my God, <laughs> Teeny. I, if my I daughter was like teeny, I don't know if I would know what to do. Yeah, you just got to let her kind of like ride it out. Your, your delusions of grandeur. <laughs> yeah, so then she asks Chrissy if she's ever been French kissed. And Chrissy's like, no way. I don't want to get pregnant. Her delivery is so good. So good. And Roberta's like, you can't get pregnant from kissing. And Chrissy's like, yeah, I know. But if you French kiss a guy, then, like, he'll think that he can do the deed with you. And they're like, what are you talking about? And she recites her mom's, like, analogy about the garden and the hose. And the girls just laugh at her because they have been properly informed. Um, Whereas Chrissy has not. Oh, Chrissy. So the girls are riding their bikes. They're back out on the road. They're like, lunch, done. Back Mm. to work. And Teeny has this little like turquoise colored um, radio that's on the front of her bike. And it's playing Knock Three Times. And it's such a fun song. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, just a blast. And they're riding away. Chrissy starts to get tired and she asks if they can take a break and the girls reluctantly agree. Then they notice a bird in the tree above them and the bird poops right into Chrissy's pigtail. (sighs) Rough, rough times. So Chrissy rinses off her hair in a nearby pond and Teeny splashes Sam. The girls start kind of play fighting and they all get in the water and Roberta oh my God. decides to <laughs> climb a tree mm-hmm. and walk all the way out onto a branch that's like above the pond. And she's like, look out below. And the girls are like, no, 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 it's too shallow. Like, don't jump. She jumps anyway. And the girls wait, but nothing happens. Like, she doesn't come up. And so they start to freak out. They look underwater for her. They can't find her. And then someone notices she's on the other end of the pond, face down in the water. Oh, my God. And Teeny and Sam drag her out onto land. They listen to Roberta's heart and um, notice that she's not breathing. So they decide to do mouth-to-mouth and CPR. And Sam and Teeny are like, Oh, I like, I'll do CPR. Oh, no, I'll do CPR. Like, you do mouth to mouth. 
And then Chrissy like pushes them aside and she's like, she just goes and does it and like closes her nose and gives her, is about to give her CPR when Roberta spits out water and she's like, well, good to know who my true friends are. Chrissy slaps the shit out of Roberta. Yeah. (laughs) She tells her to never do that again. Then we hear a narration from Sam saying that this wasn't the first time Roberta's faked her own death. Earlier that year, she jumped off the roof and pretended to break her neck. And that she keeps trying to make death funny, maybe as a way to make it easier for herself. And Teeny and Sam hear something, and so they run off. And Roberta comes up to Chrissy and apologizes to her. And Chrissy's like, you're my best friend. Roberta and Chrissy have this, like, moment, and she kind of realizes how important she is to Chrissy. Mm -hmm. But then she breaks the moment, and she's like, well, you have a hell of a right hook. And Chrissy tells her not to swear. So you can tell that Roberta and Chrissy are particularly close, and Mm -hmm. they really love each other. I mean, I didn't watch this movie growing up, so I don't really know, like, what people who did, like, perception about it is. But I feel like Chrissy is probably, like, the character that is, like, the least popular that, like, oh, it's like, oh, nobody wants to be Chrissy the way it's like, oh, like, nobody wants to be Miranda or whatever in any sort of, like, group of friends. But I think that, like, Chrissy's character really surprised me a lot throughout because you kind of have her pegged pretty early on is like oh she's like the girly girl and she's like a little yeah. bit ditzy and she's you know more uh innocent and stuff like that but she actually is so much more than that like she has this really incredible strength and like very fierce love for these people and she actually like just doesn't take shit lying down the way that like yeah. you would kind of assume so i really liked seeing the dimensionality to her character i feel like it it kind of got overshadowed sometimes by like the other things that was going on, but it it definitely stuck out to me. Yeah. I think they could have easily been like, Oh, she's just a really naive girl who's afraid of everything, but Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. So Chrissy and Roberta go to join Sam and Teeny who are watching the wormies play in the water, not only play, but they are skinny dipping. So very scandalous. Guys are crazy. Crazy. So Teeny like gasps and they all hide behind the log and she's like, oh my God, I just saw Scott's penis and balls. And the other (laughs) girls go look. (laughs) So the other girls go to, you know, sneak a peek. And Chrissy's like, great. No, I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. And it's going to be the topic of conversation all summer long. You guys are forcing me to look. And they're like, we're not forcing you to do anything. She's like, okay, I'll look. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll look, but I'm doing it out of protest. (laughs) So she looks and her first response is, it's not that big. And Roberta says that it's only big when a guy has a heart on. And when Chrissy asks what that is, Sam is like, didn't your mother tell you anything? And Chrissy's like, I'm beginning to think she was misinformed. (laughs) (laughs) So they then notice, you know, the boys' clothes sitting out there and they decide to finally get their revenge. Mm -hmm. They steal their clothes 
They, like, call out to the boys, say it's payback time, and the boys, like, run after them. They're using, like, pails and buckets from the barn to, like, cover themselves up as they run after the girls who are just, like, throwing the clothes behind them as they ride off on their bikes. So freaking true. So the girls finally make it to Greenfield. Um, They go up the library steps and in the, like, archival area – They get out the old newspapers. Roberta looks through the paper and they haven't found information about Dear Johnny yet, but they actually find an article about Roberta's mom's death. She reads um, about what happened exactly. It turns out it was a head-on collision with a driver in a pickup truck who fell asleep at the wheel. And the article says that she was rescued an hour and a half after the accident. And I know it's like really, really tragic. And that she was conscious the whole time she was pulled out of the wreckage and passed away later that night. And Roberta's like, this isn't right. She was in so much pain. And it must be crazy to have that realization that your mother someone you love so much like suffered that much and then yeah so she looks at the picture in the paper of her mom and she's like wow like she was so beautiful and decides to take the book over to the copier and print the article and um, she like folds it up very tiny and puts it in her pocket afterwards she goes back to the table and starts looking at some other archival um, newspapers and the girl's are looking silently like it's kind of like an unspoken silence and then sam finds something it's an obituary that says due to the unexpected and tragic circumstances of the death of the family um like we have asked that the services remain private but that's it and Tini's like oh how did he die but the pages surrounding that one mm. have been torn out. So someone has gone through a lot of trouble trying to keep Dear Johnny's death a mystery. The plot thickens. Tucked into a smoky back alley, into a secluded room of an illicit speakeasy, filled with gambling, Come inside, sit down for a drink, and join us while we discuss film noir of yesterday and neo-noirs of today with your hosts, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. Welcome to Speakeasy Noir Cast. The girls start to ride home when they notice a man hitchhiking on the road who who is it yeah it's brendan fraser it's brendan oh fraser. my god what would you do if you found brendan fraser hitchhiking i would first of all cry <laughs> and then i would blush and i wouldn't stop uh for probably the next 10 years and um i would profess my love for him and probably propose in that order wow um and when he very kindly rejects me I think he would be, you know, really sweet about it and 
you know, give me so much loving eye contact and say I'm so flattered, but uh, unfortunately I can't accept, but I wish you all the best in your is life. He married? And I would say thank you so much. He is divorced, actually. I don't know if he is remarried, but Whoa. that's actually one of the really tragic things about his life. So obviously we all know he was like huge in the 90s, right? And then he actually suffered from a an injury while shooting the mummy. Um, so that kind of like narrowed down a lot of the work that he could do. Yeah. And he also um he was assaulted and like oh my god came forward to sag about it and they did nothing and he was pretty much like blackballed in the industry. Then him and his wife got divorced and she cleaned him out with alimony. And so he had no money, he couldn't work and like was blackballed. And so now that's why it is so incredible that the renaissance is happening because he like you can see it in so many interviews how touched he is by all the support that he has received online that like he hasn't for so many years and how many people are like rooting for his success because he is an incredibly talented individual and also just like so kind like you can really feel that I'm like getting emotional about him because I love this man so much so I'm just really glad that he is like having his moment he has a ton of projects coming up so hell yeah the renaissance is here go off brendan fraser yeah let's get brendan fraser on the podcast oh my god i would you'd throw up <laughs> i would throw up your your dream himbo is brendan fraser <laughs> mm-hmm. my dream himbo is zach efron who in a few pod. years will will probably find out that he has been cleaned out by the guy he does his travel show with Ah. Uh. Yeah, because I have a big feeling that that guy is scamming him out of millions of dollars. And oh I could be gosh. wrong, but I think yeah. I'm right. <laughs> I haven't watched it, so I don't I don't know, but You've never watched it? No. Come on. You I watched F Boy Island and you haven't watched the uh, Yeah, Efron the new season just started show. and it's amazing. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say Brendan, if you're out there, I love you. And I'm rooting for you. And I wish you every bit of happiness in the world. Yeah. And if you're not Brendan Fraser, keep I fucking hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So, yes, Brendan is in this film. I gasped. I was super excited. And, you know, he's trying to hitch a ride. And the girls, you know, bike on over to him. And they ask if he was in the army he basically reveals that he was in Vietnam, he got shot in the leg, and uh, was sent home. And he's actually really thankful that he was shot because, you know, it got him out of there. So they all sit down with him, and he pulls out a cigarette, and Roberta's like, well, we're winning, right? Like, the war? Like, I, I saw on the news that, like, the U.S. gained a lot of ground. Roberta has been reading the news, and she's like, I'm actually a war expert. Yeah, I think Sam also asks about it, too. Oh, I meant to say Sam, actually. Sam yeah. is the one who's really controlling the conversation. Yeah, and he's like, nobody's winning out there. Like, basically tells them that what they're seeing on the news is not the truth. Even the people over there have lied about what they've seen or done. Which is very true. There was like a huge uh, disconnect for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Teeny, you know, offers him some of their soda. He drinks the whole thing. And then my man gives these children some cigarettes, which 
it's the 70s, so they didn't what even are you going to do? They were bad back then. <laughs> they were, like, doing the ads that were, like, cigarettes, good for you, good for your life. <laughs> hmm hmm So the girls, except Chrissy, take them. And they're like, yeah, I, I love to smoke. <laughs> Smoking's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam asks if he got a purple heart and he says yes and she asks why he doesn't wear it because it's such a huge honor and he says no he just says no which i respect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they're kind of like shocked to realize that not everything is to be believed they really are mm-hmm. sam says you know it doesn't seem like you can believe in much anymore and he says well you can believe in yourself if you're lucky So Chrissy then, like, notices that he is wearing this earring, and she's like, oh, my God, you're a hippie. My mom said that all hippies are sex fiends. And he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you something that I wish someone had told me when I was your age. Your parents aren't always right. Whoa. Sam, actually, she's very, like, too cool for school, and she immediately is like, yeah, no shit. She definitely is also, like, because her parents are getting divorced, that kind of veneer has definitely cracked for her. Mm-hmm. So Chrissy suggests that they get going because it's getting late and they begin to leave. But Sam does like turn around and looks at Brendan and says, hey. Looks at Brendan. He doesn't have a name. so <laughs> He doesn't. Yeah, you could call him Brendan. She goes, hey, I hope you find what you're looking for. And then rides off in her bike. <laughs> Unbelievable. So... At dinner that night, um, Sam and her sister and her mom are eating together, and her little sister is like, I want to see dad. And she's like r- like a toddler. Like, she doesn't know what's going on, really. And her mom is like, oh, well, daddy had to go away for a while. You can't see him right now, but you'll see him soon. And Sam tells her sister that she saw crazy Pete yesterday, and her mom is like, leave him alone. And Sam asks her mom why she dresses like this now. It's embarrassing. So she kind of like totally shifts the topic of conversation. And she's like, mom, what the fuck? Yeah. All of a sudden, their grandma is knocking at the door. She's apparently upset because uh, their dad moved out. Sam is like, okay, well, then she should yell at him. Like, he's the one who left. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's more complicated than that so sam's mother has them hide under the table (laughs) to avoid their grandma and the grandma's like banging on the door like i know you're in there i can see your car parked in the driveway yeah did you notice who played uh the little sister yes um it was someone's uh, Demi Moore's daughter. Yeah, it was Rumor Willis. Crazy. Her on-screen debut. Wow. So the next day, the girls decide they need to get some answers about Dear Johnny's death. So they go to Willa Dean's house. Who is Willa Dean? She is Janine Garofalo, Janine Garofalo. <laughs> the waitress at the diner. You know, Janine Garofalo, a.k.a. <laughs> Willa Dean. So they give her $10 for a session She sits them down and she's like, okay, I feel a very strong spiritual presence here. And she pulls out her tarot cards and has Sam shuffle them and cut the deck three times. So 
she pulls some cards and Sam says they just want to find out how he died. And as she pulls like more and more cards, one of them is like the death card or something. There's another card with somebody being stabbed with like a bunch of swords. And Willadine looks really freaked out. So the girls go outside and Chrissy's like, oh, Willadine is a total fake. But the girls are shook. They're like, what the fuck? And they say that Johnny is haunting them for a purpose. And the cards that Willadine pulled mean that he was murdered and maybe he wants to settle the score. And I'm like, oh, and you think you're the person who's <laughs> going to like fix this like murder, yep. unsolved crime case after decades? Is mm-hmm. that it? Sure. Sam is like, you know, we need to talk to my grandma. She was alive when he died. So they call Sam's grandma and she agrees to let the girls stop by tomorrow morning And then the girls hear about a softball game at Kennel's Mm. Field, and they decide to drop in. Yeah, so all the boys are playing softball, and Roberta steps up to the plate, and Scott, the head wormer boy, is like, okay, everybody, like, move in, move in, which is such a dick move. After a foul ball, the girls are like, come on, Roberta, you can do it. And that's when some guy comes over to, like, hit on Chrissy. She's not having it for sure. I think it's the nose picker from Red Rover. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. So then this freaking kid sitting on the fence starts heckling Roberta and is saying that girls can't play softball. So she promptly walks over and punches him in the face. A brawl ensues on the field. Everybody crowds around them. And Roberta is fully kicking this kid's ass before the girls, you know, pull her off of him. And he stands up and decides he wants a little bit uh, more of an ass kicking because he calls <laughs> her a bitch and says it's too bad her mother is dead because someone needs to teach her to act like a girl. What a thing to say. An absolutely insane thing to say to somebody. Like, I know kids are fucking, like, mean because they don't often understand the weight of their words but i feel like making somebody making fun of somebody for like a dead mom is pretty obvious that that's not okay i would have to agree yeah sam then decides to tackle him and the fight resumes that evening sam rides her bike home her hair is like still scruffed up Mm. from the fight She gets to um, her front yard and puts down her bike. And she's feeling really triumphant. Like, we can see her throw the bike down and just go, like, (sighs) like, wow, I really went out there and kicked some ass. Then she walks into her house to find some strange man named Mr. Kent holding her sister. And Mr. Kent is her mom's, like, special friend who's coming over for dinner. Also played by Hank Azaria, another cameo I was not expecting in this movie. (laughs) Nice. So they all sit down to dinner, and he tries to talk to her about science, and he's like, yeah, I hear you like it. And she's like, what I'm really interested in is science fiction. And he starts to tell her about the Smithsonian and how he'd like to take her there um, maybe before school starts. And Sam is like, well – my dad is going to take me there, actually. Mm. And then Sam tells him he has something in his teeth and he has like a little piece of spinach or something. And 
he tries to like get it, but he spills wine all over himself in the process. And Angela says, like she, you know, tries to help mm-hmm. him, and she's like, "Oh, you have such a pretty scarf." And Sam's mom gives him one of her father's shirts mm. to wear. It's like kind of like a bowling shirt, yeah. and it says his name. And Sam is just like, "All right, fuck this," yeah. and storms off. Meanwhile, at Teeny's house, her parents are having like a roaring cocktail party. While she sits on the roof and watches the drive-in movie down the street. It's actually Love Story. I think that – oh, no. I guess Teeny and Chrissy are the only children, whereas Roberta and Sam have siblings. But mm-hmm. Teeny does seem like she has a very lonely home life. And, I mean, I think that her being more, like, more interested in, like, grown-up stuff is definitely a product of her – only being around grown-ups who don't really seem that interested in uh, raising a child. So she's definitely picked up a lot from them. So Sam climbs up on the roof and joins her. And Teeny asks if she wants to go and try out the treehouse, which we never actually see them, like, get it. It's just like, oh, now they have the treehouse. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah, they did enough work, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It happened somewhere in, in a montage somewhere. <laughs> Meanwhile, Roberta is shooting hoops in her driveway when Scott Wormer comes up and gives her some pointers. She ends up like tossing the ball to him and he scores. So they get a little game of one-on-one going. And he actually tells her that she's pretty good and not just for a girl, for a guy. Wow. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) So she offers him a pop and he says yes. So they sit down on her swing together, and he asks her why she fights all the time, because he actually thinks she's a really nice girl. Aww. And she is shocked by this info. She's like, I thought you hated me. And he's like, yeah, I thought so, too. He then turns to her, and he's like, can I kiss you? She's like, what are you mumbling? And he's like, can I kiss you? (laughs) So she says, I guess. And so he immediately like scoots over to her and is like, okay, ready? She's like, five, four, three. (laughs) Yeah. And so he's like, I mean, do you want to? And she's like, yeah, okay. So they share a very quick kiss. It's very chaste. And he's like, that was great. She's like, yeah, it's okay. Poor Roberta and the compulsory heterosexuality. But she then tells him that if he mentions this to anyone, especially his brothers or her brothers, his brothers, either of their brothers, I'm sure. I think it's his brothers. She'll beat the shit out of him. And he's like, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha, babes. (laughs) So that night, Sam and Teeny play truth or dare in the new treehouse. And Sam asks Teeny if she likes her parents. And Teeny's like, you know, I don't know my parents too much, but as far as I can tell, they're assholes. And I'm like, yikes. Yeah. So Sam tells her that she believes what the soldier said about your parents and always being right. Just because they're an adult doesn't mean they know shit. And Teeny says she never thought they did. Sam tells her that she did and admits her father moved out and her parents are getting a divorce so this is the first person in the friend group who knows this big secret 
Mm-hmm. And Teeny says that she always thought her parents got along. And Sam was like, while I lied, I just wanted a normal family like the Brady Bunch. Teeny says that six kids sharing one bathroom doesn't sound fun. And Mike and Carol are widowed. Then Sam suggests the Partridge family. And Teeny's like, oh, Shirley Johnson is a widow. And they run through all of these names. And Teeny's like, Listen, there are no perfect families. It's normal for things to be shitty. And Sam is like, it might be normal, but it still hurts. And she starts to cry. And she says, those parents died, but her dad chose to leave and she misses him. And Tini tells her that it'll be okay and she'll always be her friend and takes off her necklace and actually breaks it off with her teeth. And Sam's like, you love that necklace. Like, what are you doing? And she ties half of it around Sam's wrist. And then she breaks off the other um, piece and she ties that around her wrist. It was like such a beautiful scene, honestly, mm-hmm. especially with the backdrop of the treehouse. Yeah. And Sam narrates, when you're 12, without effort, you live in the moment. You don't regret the past or worry about the future. And at that moment in the treehouse, Teeny filled my heart with hope and comfort. And Teeny tells her, like, best friends for life. And it starts raining. The girls head out. And Teeny, on her way out, tells Mm -hmm. Sam that in 10 years, half the population is going to be divorced. And I'm like, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I really love this scene. I loved the the juxtaposition of them being in the treehouse which is this very like you know childlike thing but then also having mm-hmm. these kind of like really big realizations about life they're kind of it's very much like a coming of age moment the the glass is being shattered and they're starting to realize you know things aren't always as they seem and yeah some things are really hard and this is kind of the beginning of them having to you know kind of face real life outside of childhood oh yeah absolutely So as the girls are riding home, it is raining, and Sam actually ends up losing her bracelet, so they stop the bikes to look for it, and they actually see the bracelet has gone into, like, the sewer, like, the gutter underneath the sidewalk. Think, like, what's the clown? Is it it? it? Yeah. Yeah. That sewer's too big. You would never catch me crawling in there, ever. So... Yeah, since she can't reach it, Sam decides to crawl into the sewer. Oh, no worries. I'll just crawl in. Yeah, super cash. Uh, She finds the bracelet, but then it starts raining like fucking crazy, and the water is gushing into the sewer. So she can't even, like, get her foot on anything long enough to, like, boost herself up to get out of the sewer. She is, like, getting pounded by water. Teeny's yelling for help. Nobody's there. She tries to, like, lift the manhole cover, but she's not strong enough to. But thankfully, Crazy Pete comes from out of nowhere. He lifts off the manhole cover, and he actually jumps right into that sewer, lifts Sam up, and gets her out, which is, like, crazy, because he's not, like, a young, agile man. Teeny is holding Sam, Sam is finally breathing again, but then, like, they both get really freaked out and very abruptly move away from him because they kind of realize Mm -hmm. who it is. And sweet Pete. (laughs) This brought a tear to my eye. 
Yeah, he just asks why they're afraid of him. And Teeny says that it's weird that he only comes out at night. It's kind of scary. And he says he doesn't like to see a lot of people, and he doesn't think a lot of people like to see him. So he tells Teeny to get Sam home. Aww. And as they leave, Sam says, see you around, Pete. And in the notes, Mo wrote, I'm literally crying. I was wondering, I was like, is that me or you? It was totally me. Because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting to feel that emotional about mm-hmm. it. But when he saves her and he's just like, the actor also delivered it so well. He's like, mm-hmm. why are you so afraid of me? And it's Ugh. just the thought of like being older too. And you just don't fit into the community in the same way. Like, yeah. you know, I think that people, if especially like if you're in a grocery store or something mm-hmm. or like just at a bar, even like that sense of communication or befriending people you Mm -hmm. meet in public like you just don't get the same affection when you're old yeah and i was just like why is everyone hating him i initially thought that dear johnny's death was going to be some very much like the last song shit where i've never seen it so (laughs) wait like with miley cyrus yeah okay Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'll That's put, not I'll put really a warning. important to the plot, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I thought it was going to be some sort of like horrible accident or something mm. where he accidentally murdered them and so he has to hide. Mm. But I was wrong. Yeah, it's really sad. He's just like a a reclusive old man who has been outcast by the community. Aww. And it is very much that kind of like american suburban thing where like everything bad is glossed over and we don't talk about it and we don't acknowledge it and so because a horrible tragedy has befallen this man's family years ago he is now no longer allowed to participate which is just really horrible Mm -hmm. so in sam's narration she says that um she and teeny knew what would have happened if he hadn't been there that night. Oh my god. And that's how they caught a glimpse of the hero in Crazy Pete. Also crazy to think about that she mm-hmm. almost drowned in the sewer. Like that's so insane. I'm like, this is why we have cell phones. <laughs> well, cuz like this is I mean, I wasn't alive so I don't know, but like in the 70s, the 80s, like yeah. kids were just allowed to, you know, go out and about, just be home by the time the street lamps come on. Um, mm-hmm. those kids nowadays are referred to as free range children. That's the term for them. I've never heard that. It's a, it's a real term. Free range kids. Damn. I want my kid to be able to have that freedom within reason. Like I think mm-hmm. if I lived in the city, mm. I would, depending on the age, of course, yeah. let them hang out and stuff. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to determine Mm-hmm. When I think – I know that kidnappings also happened in the 70s or whatever, but I think yeah. that the big problem now is that there is less of a sense of community in a lot of places, mm-hmm. especially – I mean, I am saying this about myself and others. Like when you move to New York and you weren't born and raised here and you live mm-hmm. in the city that you've never been to before, like I'm sure a lot of us – will agree that we don't know our neighbors and we don't know the people in the buildings next to us. Like we're not involved in the community. And like, I mean, 
not just like you know the person at your coffee shop, like you are volunteering or helping with the community in some type of way or like have that involvement. And if you don't have that involvement and you don't know who's around the corner, then how can you trust your kid to go around the corner? Like, right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, there was in the seventies, especially there was such a focus seventies and eighties are such a focus on like stranger danger when in fact, a lot of like, horrible things that happened to children were from people like trusted people in their lives like because that's That's so true i've heard that about um like god forbid like a kid being molested Mm -hmm. it usually is someone yeah that the family knows Mm -hmm. which is so awful but Yeah. yeah digressing from the tense topic um the next day the girls paint roberta's garage together My girl Chrissy is having herself a Twinkie break and she tells Roberta that she missed a spot. And then the Wormers, who honestly like are little cuties, like they're blonde, they're kind of of rugged. Um, They come over and they kind of spar back and forth. Chrissy's like, I thought I smelled something foul. And they leave, but Scott comes over to them and he's like, Ladies, my and man does a curtsy. I was like, "Oh my god, he's a soft side." <laughs> and then he walks away and looks back at Roberta, and then walks away again. And someone's like, "What's his problem?" And Roberta's like, "I don't know. Like maybe he's not such a creep after all." And Sam tells us that was the day Roberta stopped taping her boobs. Wow. Uh, <laughs> So the girls finally go to Sam's grandma's house. I love how we're like, finally, I think it's been 24 hours. Yeah, it's literally like the next day. Um, So much has happened, though. Yeah, I know. Everyone's come of age. Truly. They go inside and Sam's grandmother immediately, you know, pulls her aside to ask how she's holding up. And Teeny cuts in and is like, don't worry, we're taking good care of her. They sit down. Sam is like, okay, you were alive back in the day and we need to know about jonathan and beverly ann sims and how they died and she's like oh i don't want to hear about that you'll i can't tell you you'll have nightmares for weeks it took me a long time to forget that terrible tragedy and they're like bitch fuck you tell us but she refuses so (laughs) we came here for a reason it wasn't to keep you company Mm-hmm. She then kicks them out because she has to head off to her bingo tournament. She puts on her little uh, toupee situation. Yeah, she has like a little piece. <laughs> yeah. And uh, runs out, there, runs out, gets in the car, drives off. I'm also like, Sam's grandma has a really nice house. Mm-hmm. Oh, also important to note, they also mentioned the fact that um, – She's like, oh, you're just like your grandfather. He ke- he keeps like all – he kept all this stuff in the attic, like all records of every crazy thing that happened in this town, which then yeah. leads directly yeah. into the next scene. Yes. And in the next scene, the girls decide to break into Granny Albertson's attic to look through her scrapbooks and see if they can find anything on Dear Johnny. So they stack up some patio furniture and <laughs> like get into the attic – and Sam finds the newspaper from the day Johnny and his mother were found. 
It says that Beverly Ann Sims and her 12-year-old son, Jonathan, were found brutally murdered late Friday night. Their bodies were discovered by Peter Sims. After leaving his car at a bar around midnight, he entered his house to find his wife and son had been shot to death. They believe that it was a burglar caught off guard. And Sam also sees that her father sent in an op-ed piece to the paper talking about just what happened and how what appears to be isn't that at all. And Roberta just starts breaking down. She like Mm -hmm. freaks out. She kicks a mirror that's in the attic and breaks it. And she's like, it's just like not fair. Like my father told me a beautiful angel swooped down to earth and carried her away before she started to feel any pain. Like why did my mom have to die? Like why did my dad have to lie to me? And she tells the girls that he's all she has left anymore. And Chrissy tells her he's not all she has. She has all of them. Mm-hmm. Sam tells her that she knows how she feels and finally reveals to the whole group that her parents are getting a divorce. And Chrissy suggests they make a pact that they're always here for each other, no matter what's happening in their lives. If Teeny goes off to Hollywood or I marry a rich doctor, We'll remember this day and this pact. Whenever we need a friend, we're here for each other. We can count on it always, no matter what. And they all agree to the pact, all for one and one for all. I mean, it's definitely very – it reminded me so much of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Like, it definitely – Yeah. It's such a huge, like, core bonding moment for them, of them all kind of mm-hmm. – going through this realization go they're they're really like on the precipice between childhood and like teenage dumb because they're what like 11 something like that i couldn't tell exactly what their ages were like maybe 12 maybe yeah yeah but definitely it at all i mean obviously for the movie it it all comes Mm -hmm. to a head yeah this summer and being more in touch with like kissing and having mm-hmm. crushes and also experiencing the more seedy underbelly of their mm-hmm. town. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did think it was really sweet that they do the pact. And like props to Christina Ricci uh, for her performance. I mean, I think her performance oh, is yeah. like incredible throughout the whole movie, but like she really, mm-hmm. she really shines in this scene. Yeah. I, I really liked her performance. I mean, I, like Christina Ricci as mm-hmm. an actor. Like, she's yeah. one of my favorite actors. And, yeah, she does a great job at kind of doing a more grounded character and feels really authentic. Definitely, yeah. So Sam tells us in her narration that now more than ever, they needed to put dear Johnny to rest. So they go to the cemetery to have one last seance to send him home. Sam, you know, speaks to him. They all hold hands. And she says, you know, she asks him to tell them who did it. They're here to help. And the girls, like, they think that he's here. They think that they can feel his spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's when they see this bright light and his tombstone floating in the air. (laughs) So they scream. My God. And they they see, like, a silhouette of a man. And they're like, it's the killer. But it's actually just, you know. The groundskeeper at the, the cemetery. Just my man working, listening to 
some girls scream their fucking mm-hmm. brains out. Quite literally working the graveyard shift. Yeah. Um, he has a tractor that is holding this tombstone and the light is from said tractor. And he's like, what are you doing here? Like, this isn't a playground. Have some respect for the dead. And they say that they do have respect for the dead and that they resurrected Johnny from the grave. And that's why his tombstone was cracked. And he's like, actually, I knocked it over with my tractor. Mm-hmm. That's why it was cracked. And he's, you know, replacing it currently. So the girls are once again having like a, a glass shattering moment. Not everything is as it seems. Yeah. And maybe not everything is about them. Mm hmm. This is not about you. This is not Not about about you. God, I've been saying that forever. We see that all the time. (laughs) So Chrissy's like, you know what? That's it. I'm not doing any more seances. And it's just time to like get over it and move on. So Sam blows out the candles and packs everything up and says that she knew in that moment that their days of playing make-believe were over. As we grow older, it becomes difficult to just believe. It's not that we don't want to, but that too much has happened that we can't. So Sam tosses the candles and the blanket into the trash, and that's when Roberta notices Pete in the cemetery. So Teeny's like, hey, let's just let's leave him alone and get out of here. So they start to leave, but Sam notices some flowers so she stops and tells the girls that she forgot something but she'll catch up with them and she picks some flowers before heading back into the cemetery and she decides to go over to pete and asks him if he is peter sims and he says it was a terrible thing that happened to his family and he used to think that he could have stopped them if he had just been at home instead of at that bar and she tells him he was there for her when she needed it, which I can only assume must put his mind or his like sense of like, you know, that failure that he felt during that tragedy mm-hmm. at ease a little bit, knowing that he did save someone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh ultimately. my gosh. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. So Pete says that he wasted a lot of years because he was afraid to face people but mostly he was afraid to face himself. So Sam comes up to him and holds his hand and tells him that she's scared too. And Pete says that things will happen in life that she can't stop, but that's no reason to shut out the world. There's a purpose for the good and the bad. And Sam tells us that she understood the importance of his words at the time, but it's only now looking back that she understands their meaning. So young Sam places the flowers on Johnny's grave. I also really, I always enjoy it when we get to see it in movies, but like when children and like seniors like have talks about life because they are both Mm -hmm. individuals in society that like aren't taken seriously. So true. Yeah. And I feel like there's often a lot of like mutual understanding and like wisdom that is passed between Mm -hmm. the two without like other like ego complications and stuff like that getting in the way definitely so we see the girls in the treehouse and sam says we all used to try so hard to fit in we wanted to look exactly alike do all the same things practically be the same people and when we weren't looking that changed 
The treehouse was supposed to bring us more independence, but what the summer actually brought was independence from each other. Wow. That's such a good line. Oh, my God. I agree. I agree. Back to present day. Pregnant Chrissy is now in labor Chrissy, Mm -hmm. and they are making a beeline to the vehicles. Sam is fucking (laughs) beside herself. Like, she does not know what to do. She, like, gets into Roberta's car, but she's like, Sam, Sam, Mm -hmm. like, your fucking car is blocking the Jeep. Like, (laughs) we can't take it. So they decide to take Teenie's limo. She's mm. like, yeah. take take the limo. And Roberta's like, hi, like I've got a pregnant woman. She's about to bust. Like I need to take your limo. And mm. he's like, just tell me where to go. Like I'll take you wherever you want. And he's like, she's like, listen, <laughs> it's not going to cut it. Yeah. Get out. Like thank you for, you know, driving Teenie here. Yeah. And she gets in and like peels out with mm-hmm. this huge white limo. Yeah. So – in the limo, Chrissy is having contractions. She's in pain, but she does stop to talk about how nice the limo is. And she's like, there's a VCR, like there's a bar. Like she's having a very cool time. It is a very stylish way mm-hmm. to make your way to the hospital. It's true. It's true. So we then cut to Chrissy in the hospital. She's got her legs up. And what is she doing? Oh, my God. She is swearing. (gasps) Whoa. How unlike her. Exactly. She has not sworn this entire movie. And she's going, shit, shit, shit. And she's trying to push this baby out of her. Roberta is delivering the babies, which, like, seems like a conflict of interest to me. Like, I feel like you're not allowed to treat your your friends. I don't know. I I did think. It was like a we- like the way that they just staged this scene was super mm-hmm. weird to me. Like it didn't look like a hospital. There was like one nurse in there who had like her back to the entire delivery. I was like, where are yeah. all the pe- where are the- all the people? Where's the nurses? Why are there so many friends allowed in here? Usually it's just like one other person, so they're not crowded. But yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never given birth, but I don't think it usually goes like this. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I would say a more realistic image or whatever was, like, when um, uh, Christopher's ex-wife is having Gigi. Mm. Sherry. Yes, Sherry. Yeah. But, yeah, so Roberta is delivering the baby. It's also too late for the drugs, so got to go au naturel. She does eventually push that baby out. It is a girl. She eventually, this is the quickest birth yeah. I've ever but seen. Eventually, I mean 30 seconds later. She's like, push. And she's like, oh. she's like, one more big push. And baby, baby's out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Morton finally shows up. He was uh, giving someone like a root canal or something. And he's like, did I miss it? And Teeny's like, no, you made it. And I'm like, yes, you did. You did miss it. You are too late. You missed yeah, the birth. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> but they are very excited about their new daughter. And Chrissy mouths, thank you, to Roberta. And Roberta mouths, I love you, back to her. Wow. So what did the girls do after successful birth? They're just like, yeah, we'll head home. Let's go to the treehouse. Well, I don't think this is the same day. I think this is like the next day, maybe. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) But I do think it's a tall order to have this 
woman who just gave birth climb a ladder up to the treehouse? You know, I didn't even think about it, but absolutely, it is a tall order. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe they had some sort of pulley system. <laughs> Pretty wild. They all sit together and mm. like pass around Chrissy's new baby, which also just like made me want to cackle because it's like this, you know, child's treehouse, and they're yeah. passing around a little. <laughs> bundle like a like which a, surely is I, a doll not a real yeah child. <laughs> it looked it looked so doll too mm. like the way they were holding it and everything i don't know yeah <laughs> so they they play truth or dare and sam asks chrissy if she's happy and chrissy says i'm so happy i feel like i could bust and like spray happiness spray everywhere. happiness everywhere yeah <laughs> And then Teeny asks Roberta how big her boobs are now. And she asks Teeny how big her boobs are. Mm-hmm. And she's like, they're 36 Ds worth every penny. <laughs> and Teeny asks Sam if she's happy. And Sam says, not really, but I figure it's normal for things to be shitty. I got an A plus on career day, but missed the class on personal relationships. So... Sam is still in her moody ways. Mm -hmm. She seems to be going through her own thing in life where she's reflecting on her personal life. Chrissy has some really sage advice for her. She suggests integrating color into her wardrobe because men love pastels on a woman. Mm. But Sam says it's about her and how she's run from every relationship, which makes it hard to like get to that intimacy level if you don't fall in love then you can't get hurt and Roberta says that's true but it gets really lonely by yourself and Sam reminds them of that summer with crazy Pete and Teeny's like oh yeah I used to send crazy Pete a Christmas card with cash every year but last year it came back and Roberta tells her that crazy Pete passed away And Sam reveals that Pete was actually Peter Sims, dear Johnny's father. Wild that she never told them. Yeah, I was like, was it because he didn't want anyone to know? Like, did Mm. she feel like it was like a secret? Yeah. Because I don't think it was – like, it was a secret in the sense that it was a tragedy so people didn't talk about it, but – yeah, well, I guess because yeah, it's it's kind of implied that he's the one who like stole the newspaper pages out of the yeah. library. So I guess he like didn't want people who didn't already know to know type of thing. But yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. And I guess you know it really speaks to that that line where she was like, "Yeah, the summer gave us independence from each other because that you know was a secret she kept just for herself." Mm-hmm. So she reminds them of that night in the cemetery and, you know, tells them that Pete told her something that didn't mean as much then as it does now. And she says that she's been so afraid of the bad things in life that she's been missing out on the good. And she didn't want to come back here initially, but she's really glad that she did. She forgot how much it helped to have them as friends and says that they're really lucky to have each other. I think she's like, kind of makes me want to stay forever. And Teeny's like, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but says that it would be nice to visit more often. And Roberta says that she agrees. So they decide to make a pact. And they put their hands in the middle and say all for one and one for all. 
They then watch the neighborhood kids playing Red Rover down on the lawn. So they decide to join them. And as they play, Sam says, you can run from the disappointments to try to forget, but it's only when you embrace your past that you truly move forward. Maybe Thomas Wolfe never got to go home again, but I found my way there and I'm glad I did. Wow. The end. The end. And Chrissy, having just given birth in the last maybe 48 hours, is playing a game with the neighborhood children. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Having a child sure. body slam into her. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Mm. Uh, Phil compared it to a, like, boys coming of age movie. Oh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me, yes. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it, so I can't yeah. really... speak to that but i really liked the movie Mm -hmm. it felt like something i wish i had watched in like high school i really loved the characterization of the girls and i do think that was because it was written by Mm -hmm. marlene king like i think that she is a really powerful way with female friendships Mm -hmm. and also i'm thinking about how roberta was originally written as like a gay woman mm-hmm. and um Shay Mitchell, Mitchell yeah played her character um was a gay woman and I do think that's like a an interesting thing that she repeats in mm-hmm. the shows that she makes. Um but yeah I, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like my favorite movie ever. I don't think that it was like a stunning you know, performance or, like, an incredible, like, just, like, wow, what a crazy thing. But it was Mm -hmm. very comforting. Definitely, yeah. This movie is really grounded Mm -hmm. and gives a very, I think, very true-to-life depiction of that those really awkward preteen years when you're Mm -hmm. coming out of childhood but you're not quite, like, a teenager yet. And so much is changing in your life. Yeah. So I thought that that was, like, portrayed really well. And it really is – it's, like, it's a slice-of-life movie. So Mm -hmm. the plot isn't going to be super, like, crazy. We're not going to see them, like, we're going to Europe for the summer and anything crazy like that. It's very much here is a moment in these people's lives in the 70s. In a regular suburb somewhere in Illinois. Indiana? Indiana? Illinois? Indiana? I can't remember. I'm not American. I'm sorry. But (laughs) I also thought that the connection between the performances of the child actors and the grown-up actors was so well done. Like, these women really embodied these – the children's performances – so um truthfully that i completely believed that they were the same people like there was never a moment where i was like oh there's some weird disconnect here they were so in tune with each other which i think is just a testament to how talented rosie o'donnell demi moore rita wilson and melanie griffith are um and you could still feel those relationships between them that we got to really sit with the whole movie yeah and just the chemistry also between the friends, mm-hmm. the young girls. And yeah, it it did feel just super truthful and honest and nothing felt like, oh, I can't really relate to their experience because it seems so like heightened. It mm-hmm. just felt like that really 
um, invisible and like shifting line between being a kid and having mm-hmm. basically like no cares in the world and then moving into that adulthood where you notice things like you start to notice the crux mm-hmm. in your family relationships or things that you're like the idea you had of your town and yeah I really enjoyed it yeah and I think because it is set in the 70s like before a lot of technology starts to like complicate things Mm -hmm. we got to really just focus on these relationships and the day-to-day experiences yeah and they that's another thing that I really liked it's like in that time they would just get up and Mm -hmm. hang out with each other Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like oh let me call you oh I have like a tennis lesson oh like whatever the case may be it was just like you know we get up we hang out with each other and we ride our bikes places and it's so like simple in that way yeah I really enjoyed it I thought it was a, a really lovely lovely film really comforting it also has a very because it is very like 70s it has a very like orangey brownish like color palette which is always so comforting yeah i think if i could do something like my completely my Mm -hmm. own choice i would totally like have like a flowery Mm -hmm. like 70s wall like accent wall and like have that kind of color scheme i think Mm -hmm. it's so cute yeah Definitely. And we like didn't even talk about it, but also the soundtrack for this movie is bomb. Insane. It's so good. Just it's so good. Hit after hit. It's incredible. So yeah, I, I think this Wikipedia was right. This I think is a great sleepover movie. It definitely mm-hmm. it fits in the realm of like Sister of the Traveling Pants and like Sleepover and all those kind of like friendship yeah. groups. Of young girls. I really, I really enjoyed it. I actually did read that they were considering doing like a reboot. Oh. Um, but it would have been set like the then would have been the 90s. Mm-hmm. And Marlene King was like, no. Like if we're going to do this again, like, it still has to be the 70s because once you bring like yeah. cell phones and stuff into everything and the internet, it changes everything completely. It would be oh, its yeah, own Oh, yeah. It would be a different thing. story. Yeah. I would – one of the things that I would like to see – would be Dakota Johnson in either I think she'd probably play Sam as yeah, an adult. Probably. But it would be cool to see her in something that her mom did. Oh yeah. And that would be so cool. I yeah. I like knew that um Melanie Griffith was her mother, mm-hmm. but I didn't really think about it until at the end when she was talking and I was like, oh my God, she sounds just like Dakota like they have such a like similar whispery voice like Mm -hmm. uh, and I also think that I've seen a couple of her movies lately and um, Dakota Johnson has been playing a lot of like young mother roles like in Parallel Mothers oh I haven't seen it she's um with it's the one with um from the favorite she won the Oscar oh Olivia Colman yeah yes yeah yeah but yeah, I think she's a really talented actor as well. Yeah. So. Wow. <sighs> well, what would you rate, rate it? it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like, wow, this is blow my mind and it's my favorite movie ever, but I did really, really yeah. like it. So I think I'm going to give it just like a solid eight. Okay. I was going to give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it, but yeah, I just wasn't one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. 
But it definitely satiates that part of me that's like, can I see something that isn't like Mm -hmm. Y2K, glossy, glossy, Mm -hmm. like hoop earrings. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. I would recommend it. And you can watch it for free. I was shocked. Whoa. I saw it for free on Tubi, which is like an app. Mm. Uh, I don't know if – I think it's available on any smart TV. Like I have a Roku TV and I download the app for free. And yeah, there are ads, okay? I'll admit (laughs) it. But for me, I'm like, I love an ad. I'm going to go on TikTok and learn how to clean something obscure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah take take a break you know rest your eyes have a little ad break um we're not sponsored by them to be hit us up though but that'd be great mm-hmm. i actually watched <laughs> that'd be it so cool. i actually watched it on my roommate's amazon prime because it's on the stars channel you can watch for free oh, but i think stars my roommate does um yeah that's cool so she is the stars channel on prime shout out to you caitlin thank you caitlin um but if not i believe you can rent it on amazon prime as well but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. If you want some more content, oh my god, you should join our Patreon because this month we did Miss Congeniality and next month we are doing Easy A. So you're definitely mm-hmm. going to want to check those out. And we also have a theme month coming up. <gasps> we do. So should excited. we give a hint or should we keep it a secret? I think we should keep it a secret. Build okay. the suspense. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But I think a lot of people are mm-hmm. going to like this theme month. Yes, we we've discussed it before on the pod during yeah. this theme month. Yes, we did. That's mm-hmm. a really clever clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think about what theme month you'd like and mm-hmm. let us know. We still have some, you know, room in our schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know what I'm saying. If you want future theme months, let us know what the theme months are. Yeah. That you want. We have one more month of the year that has not been accounted for with a theme. So November. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Some November themes. What mm, could you think of? Yeah. Leaves. Foliage. <laughs> cinnamon. Pumpkin spice. Like November. Cloves. <laughs> But yes, we will see you next week for our first episode of our new theme month. Before then, you can also follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. And you can follow us on Twitter. It's MTRU underscore pod. You can also follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. Or you got a lot to say, send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, and we will see you next week for another movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.